When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. Sports Day for Kia, the Kia Sportage, drive car of the year. The Sports Day, nice to have your company, me, Carl Langdon, Will Schofield with you through until 8 o'clock tonight. We're going to have a chat to Willie Pike, who's going to be racing in the Everest, the world's richest race on turf, which will see uh, the very best sprinters taking the turf for $15 million, Will Schofield, in prize money. Not bad if you can get it. How are you, mate? Yes, g'day, Carl. Good to be with you, mate. Hope you're going well. Yeah, there's a bit going on in Sporting Land, which we love here at Sports Day. We've got a couple of World Cups going about. We've got the big money in that paddling race, which, yeah, I might start taking up the uh, the ocean racing, ocean paddling maybe, Carl, but I'm not really built for that. I'm a bit skinny up top. But, uh, yeah, and also a fair bit going on in AFL Land as well. Yeah, we've got uh, the cricket team for the Sheffield Shield. That's been announced. Uh, Jai Richardson's been added to the squad for his very first Sheffield Shield match of the summer, replacing fellow quick in Cameron Gannon. So that is the only change there to our Sheffield Shield team, and they will be in action on Monday. But the big news that broke late last night, Scoey, when we were on radio and we reported it on behalf of afl.com.au, they were the ones that uh, first started to leak out to the sporting world that uh, maybe there was going to be a decision made on the future at that point of the man that was heading up the St Kilda Football Club in Brett Ratton. Um, you and I sat there looking at each other thinking, is this true? Well, it was, mate. It's done and dusted and Jeff Walsh has got another coach. Well, I tweeted earlier uh, on this month that uh, all's going well at Essendon with a bit of a sarcasm in my voice. Well, you could say the th- same thing about St Kilda, all going well down at the St Kilda Football Club. I mean, uh, honestly, what a joke, Carl. Um, Brett Ratton extended during the middle of the season after the start to their year. I think they started 7-3 and three and uh, it was extended for two years and just three months later, effectively, he gets the sack, um, not straight after the season, after some time of a, a footy department review, um, he cops the axe. Oh, uh, you know, not only the timing, but the way they've gone about it. I think the uh, the public statement that they came out and made, and um, the press conference that they held, um, some reasons around Ratten, but very vague, with no real plan going forward. Oh, I don't see St Kilda as uh, this being a good move for the St Kilda Footy Club. I mean, it's not a it's it's a strong move. They've sacked their coach, but it looks like they're directionless. It looks like they were a couple of stunned mullets sitting up there in the press conference, and and you wouldn't be happy if you're a St Kilda fan uh, last night or, or this morning morning, Carl. Now, the Western Bulldogs coach, now, do you believe the suggestions that he has been sounded out for the St Kilda job or not? Well, I mean, you'd think that if you're going to sack your head coach six weeks after the finale of the season, after trade period, um, really getting towards a stage where... Um, next season's starting soon enough, you'd think that you'd have a plan. So it wouldn't surprise me if they have spoken to current coaches, but 
again, I don't see a current coach leaving, you know, in Beveridge's case, Western Bulldogs. I don't see that as a real possibility, but I could be wrong, been wrong before, Carl. There's, there is a few experienced coaches out there that, you know, still don't have a job that, you know, potentially would be on the block. One, West Australians would know quite well, especially Freo fans and St Kilda fans from a while back. Ross Lyons' name's coming up, Carl. Well, he is, and he took the job in similar circumstances when Mark Harvey was sacked at the Fremantle Football Club. You, you don't think that uh, that lightning has struck twice, certainly in the case here of, of Brett Ratton, do you? But look, we do know that Ross Lyon is very, very popular amongst those that he coached at the St Kilda Football Club. They didn't want to lose Ross Lyon at that particular time. And when you hear Nick Revolt and Nick Del Santo and Jason and, 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 uh, and, and Montagna talk about um, Ross Lyon, they loved him as a coach. So he may well be the front runner right now. Well, do you know why they loved him, Carl? Because he won, and 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 players like winning, and that's what Ross Lyon does. No, he hasn't won a, a flag across his times at the clubs, but he gets you to finals, and he gives you the opportunity as players to win in you know win in big games and and a chance at a premiership. That's all you can ask as a player. So that's why he's a popular guy. Look, a couple of the other experienced names that are floating about: Don Pike, of course. Uh, West Coast uh, Premiership player um, and then coached at West Coast, coaching at Sydney now, um, coached obviously as a head coach at Adelaide Crows. His name's thrown about. Leon Cameron um, clearly lost his job at GWS, but he's still looking for another job. And then there's some assistant coaches around the league as well. Adam Uze, Ashley Hanson, uh, former West Coast Eagles Premiership player. Jamie Graham, West Coast player, now assistant coach at Fremantle Dockers. And Scott Burns, Dan- Daniel's GNC accuser. And... I would say this name um, would be a popular one with St Kilda fans and anyone associated with that football club, Robert Harvey. He's coaching at the moment at the Hawthorne Footy Club as an assistant coach under Sam Mitchell. Imagine if he was to return to the fold at the St Kilda Footy Club. One double three eight eighty two. We're going to take an early break, and uh, I want to hear from the Saints fans or just football lovers in general. What do you reckon about uh, the action taken by the St Kilda Football Club? And of those names, so Ross Lyon, Robert Harvey, Adam Uze, another great of the St Kilda Football Club, and Lenny Hayes, uh, Luke Beveridge. That would uh, certainly be one from left field. Uh, the recently departed from GWS after getting the opportunity at the back end of the season. Mark McVeigh, uh, Dean Solomon, Blake Carousella, Scotty Burns, Leon Cameron, Don Pike, Nathan Buckley, and James Hurd are all the names that have been thrown around today. Who gets the gig? If you're sitting in the hot seat, who are you picking? One double three eighty eighty two. Sports update thanks to KO. Watch the T20 Cricket World Cup on KO Sports. I can tell you that Lana King has signed a two-year contract extension till the end of WBBL 10. So uh, she's been remarkably good for Australia in her spin bowling and good to see that she's extended her tenure there. It's already 13 minutes past six. Sports Day for Kia, the Kia Sportage, Drive Car of the Year. Who do you think gets the job at the Saints? One double three eight eighty two. Sports update thanks to Kia. Don't risk missing all your team's matches of the T20 World Cup and you can get that all on Kia. It's a nice economical way to do it as well. If you've not uh, invested in the world of uh, of pay television before, uh, in the WA PGA Championship, Scoey, which is being played out in the uh, out in the well the 
the beautiful regional town of Kalgoorlie. Jack Murdoch, uh, Jared Felton, West Australian, and Matthias Sanchez are all at nine under par at the top of the leaderboard there. Um, what about the other news, Scoey? As uh, we ask people to call through about Ross Lyon and uh, whether Robert Harvey should take the reins. We've had a Saints fan uh, using his fingers. Here we go again and hung up. <laughs> so, that was that was it. Didn't want to go on the radio. Well, it's true. Swore. It's true, Carl. I mean, St Kilda. When, when, when is St Kilda going to stop St Kildaring? Seriously, how do you get to yourself to that position where you get to the end of the football season and then six weeks later you think, oh, actually, we might sack our coach. If you're going to sack him, get rid of him a day after the season goes. At least Essendon did that. At least Essendon did that to Rutten and got rid of him and didn't leave him hanging. And, you know, imagine, imagine Brett Rutten with his family. Um, you got a contract. We talked about it yesterday with Colin Young and contracts of players and contracts, uh, you know, not being worth the paper they're, they're, they're written on. Well, St Kilda's just proven that true. I mean, who makes the decision in the first place to extend it if he's not that good? Well, look, what I would hope is that they've done the right thing and you would hope that he's been paid out for the next two years. Well, there's there's but, no reason why he shouldn't be. Yeah, but why, why are you signing the first place? Fair. Well, I think that, What's happened is is that they've they've signed him and, and let's face it, at the at the time when they signed him, they were sitting pretty, they were eight and three. The back end of the season didn't go well. So what went wrong? And so what they did is they go and get a bloke like Jeff Walsh, and this is not the first coach he's got. He got the he got the last two uh, when he went through um, football clubs. I mean, David Teague got fired, and now you've got Michael Voss in the in the fray, and and they've done pretty well, Carlton. You know, they've they've started to move forward now. For whatever reason, the back end of the season didn't work out for the St Kilda Football Club. They stagnated. They, they, in fact, they went backwards because, they, as I said, they were sitting pretty at eight and three at the midway point in the season when they made that appointment. So, look. Um, the one thing that you don't want to be, and you would know this very well, you've been in the inner sanctum. You don't just want to be making finals every year, Will. You want to be winning premierships. That's what it's about. Coming second, no one remembers who comes second every year. Yeah, well, of, of course that's what you're in it for. But is that is that purely for the coaches? Do you just do you just rifle through coaches until you win a flag? I don't think that's what success is built on, Carl. If you look across... The premiership sides of late, Simon Goodwin, um, Brad Scott, sorry, Chris Scott, um, even Adam Simpson to a extent, Damien Hardwick, Luke Beveridge, all these guys have had the backing of their football club. You're not going to win a premiership by, you know, flicking through coaches until you hit, hit one that you think's any good. You need to build a good list as well. St Kilda's list is poor, Carl. They've, they've got a, the, mm. a poor list and I, I just – I. I uh, you're right. I have been in the inner sanctum, and and so have you. But you know me a little bit closer out of the game. I just don't know how much success is built on a good coach. I was very lucky to have good coaches at my time at West Coast, and John Worsfold and Adam Simpson. But you know maybe I don't know what a bad coach is. But the best part about both of those guys, very different coaches in their own right, they are both consistent at least, um, at least to the players they were. And so I think as a player, that's all you want. You want consistency and. Dropping coaches, um, sacking them, in fact, um, you know, halfway through an off-season, I just don't think that's what that provides, and I don't think that's how you win a premiership, to be honest.
the great point that you have just made is is around stability. Now, now West Coast have been criticised from pillar to post at various times throughout their time in the game. And, you know, when there was turmoil at West Coast, when you probably just arrived on the back end of uh, most of it, Scoey, um, was, there was, you know, that, that, that bad period when West Coast uh, was dragged through the mud. And... Essentially, you know, Trevor Nisbet's head was called for, and they were calling for blood to to and, a, and other heads to roll. Well, they they stuck fat with key people, and you know they're arguably still one of the most successful football clubs in the game. Now, Chris Scott won his first premiership in two thousand eleven. Scoey, yep. I mean, here we are, eleven years later. John Longmire won his first premiership in two thousand and twelve, and they were the two. And let's face it, have a look at the stability that there's been at Geelong. I mean, only recently Brian Cook has departed after doing some magnificent work both, um, you know, in, in, the, in the boss's chair there and redeveloping that ground. And being an old boy from Geelong, I'm sure that you would be very satisfied with the job that's been done by a, uh, you know, by a lot of hardworking people down in that neck of the woods. Uh, Brian Cook was my, you would, we wouldn't believe this, Carl. He was my next door neighbour growing up, Brian Cook. So wow. um, I had a close affinity with Brian and um, that doesn't speak to what he's done with the footy club but it's a small small place Geelong um, I mean that's why I think there's high hopes for Carlton because they've got um, some key members uh, you know, in their administration department at Carlton that they've appointed Michael Voss um, you'd, you'd think that they see the course with him and the group that they have now St Kilda's problem and if you look at Essendon if you look at Kangaroos um, they aren't, I don't think, failing because of their coaches. You know, David Noble wouldn't be a bad coach. Um, Rutten, not a bad coach. Their lists are bad. Their, their, their players are no good. Uh, and so, uh, yes, you can develop and become better. But in the end, you have to accept that, you know, if you aren't playing well as a player, it's on you. It's not on the coaches. They're there to help you be the best player you can be, not, not win you a flag. Coaches won't do that. One double three out eighty two is our number if you'd like to join in. The other question I wanted to ask you about, Sco, is it looks like that uh, the David Warner leadership ban could be overdone and dusted. Uh, what do you think about that? And do you think uh, there's enough time that has passed to allow him to get his opportunity back in the chair if Australian cricket so desires? I'm torn with this one a little bit, Carl, and um, not not too often caught on the fence. You know, part of me says. You know, you, you cannot change the past, you know, in anything that you do in life. And, and you know, people are going to make mistakes, whether they're the biggest mistakes you'll ever make in your life or small mistakes that get blown up publicly, wherever it sits on the scale, you actually can't change what's happened. So he, he was punished, um, you know, pretty severely for his, uh, for his hand, uh, pardon the pun, in Sandpaper Gate. Uh, and, you know, time has passed and, you know, I'm sure he's become a better person. The, the part that tears me away is what I see in the public and what I see from media, he doesn't strike me as a captain. And that, that could be completely ignorant by me, but he doesn't, that doesn't, that doesn't how, how he comes across in, in the media or, or anything that I've seen him do. But maybe within the locker room that he is the guy. Um, so I am torn, you know, whether or not he should be captain. I don't know. What do you think, Carl? And, no, I'm a little bit with you. Um, I, he's never come across to me as captain material, but look, uh, that's only from what I've seen on the outside. And he's 35 uh, years of age as well. So he's he, he's not at the beginning of his career, probably not even in the middle. He's at the back end of his career. 
And so you would think that there'd be someone a little bit younger, um, say like a, a Cummins, who is going to have a little bit more time on their side. So that's where I'd be investing my time if I was making a, that sort of a decision there. And what about Rory Lobb and the statement that he made? Let's go to um, Stuart and Bull Creek first before we talk about Rory Lobb and the statements that he made today. G'day, Stuart. Hey, g'day, Carl and Will. Um, you know what's really annoyed me the most about this draft period is uh, not just supporters, but people involved in this industry complaining about uh, uh, Geelong, my team, Richmond, becoming destination clubs. It's pretty simple. Get your club in order, and it's the elite competition. Why, why wouldn't people want to go and play for North Melbourne? Why wouldn't you want to go play for St Kilda? It's, it's, it's the same in the waffle, like your club at Subi, Carl, and my club Claremont. But Subi got lambasted. They tried to penalise them for running a good club. It's, get your house in order. That's, it's pretty simple. Yeah, I agree. It's a good call, Stuart. Um, uh, Richmond, you know, if you're, if you're a Richmond supporter, Stuart, Richmond haven't always been a destination club, have they, Stuart, with some of the success and failures you've ha- had over the years? I mean, um, people haven't always wanted to go to Richmond, and that's that's what happens in competitions, isn't it? I mean, people want to play for the good teams. People... Yeah, people are motivated by different things, I think, Carl. But m- most of the time, winning overrides uh, fame and fortune. Well, it certainly did for me. And if you know, most players I know are motivated by competing and winning. Um, most, I would say, the majority would want to play for a winning team. It's pretty simple, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Good on you, Stu. Thanks for your call. One double three out of two. We need to clear a commitment. Come back on the other side. Uh, if you go to iCanWin.com.au, you can win a Ziggy by Ziggler and Brown barbecue this summer. So that's all you've got to do. iCanWin.com.au for your chance to win. Back soon. Sports Day for Kia. The Kia Sportage. Drive car of the year. Welcome back to Sports Day. Nice to have your company, One Double Three Eight Eighty Two. If you would like to join in, if you're winging your way home or maybe sitting in uh, the, the man shed or on the couch having a quiet one on this Friday evening, then pick up the phone and get involved. Sco, just before we have a chat about Rory Lobb and his departure and the few words that he had to say today, um, Hader's just put a nice little stat on the screen. Uh, only one coach in St Kilda's 149-year history has coached six seasons or more. Alan Jeans, the club's sole premiership coach. Well, does that answer exactly what we were just talking about, Carl? A bit of consistency, a bit of stability maybe might win you a flag rather than just cutting people left, right and centre? Yeah, I wasn't very impressed with the way that, uh, and I, I don't know what your opinion is, the way the President spoke today, were you? I mean, he didn't come across uh, very well at all. In fact, uh, I'd be getting on the same bus. Uh, yeah, it's always strange <laughs> with these press conferences, mate, that that um, these, these guys are in leadership positions and they're the ones making the call behind closed doors, but that you get them out into the public and you put them in, in front of you know a few cameras and some people go to water a little bit. It's, it's a bit funny to watch sometimes. Mm. All right. Uh, what did you make of the comments uh, that were made by Rory Lobb? Uh, he was pretty open, I felt, uh, today. Uh, he, he came out and said that he was always going to ask for another trade. Uh, that's after being denied that last year. He's wanted out for a year and a half. Uh, you do feel that you're on the outer at times. The boys had full faith that I'd go out every weekend and play my hardest. Uh, that's what uh, you do. You do your best for your club. And in the end... We were able to play finals and win that first final against the Doggies, funnily enough. So it uh, was good to have a year with the boys considering I wanted out. Uh, end of quote uh, for Rory Lobb. What did you make of what he said today? Well, he also said I was really surprised when it came to trade period this year and asked for a move and it was denied. So you've got to remember that 
Fremantle basically said this time around again that um, they wouldn't be trading him. And um, pretty firm at the start of trade period that he was, you know, a required player again with a year to run on his contract. So uh, we haven't spoken about that too much, but, you know, that clearly um, – what was that? Was that a smoke screen, Carl? Was that something that the footy club ran out to get his value up? Because clearly they were going to trade him. That if they weren't going to trade him, they would have never traded him. Oh, look, you, you, and why not? I think that you have to play that sort of role, don't you? I mean, given how he played, and let's face it, he, he played his best season of footy at Freo this year. And he was a guy who wanted out. Uh, and to his credit, um, I think that when you are in the situation that he's in when his partner was already on the other side of the country and he spoke about his long-distance relationship. And and then, you know, I, I believe that she was absolutely in tears when that was stated publicly that the Freo Dockers, again, weren't going to trade him out. So, um, yeah, you've, you've got to drive a hard bargain. And in the end, I think they got a fair deal. I think that's the most important part is that the Freo Dockers were able to get something because uh, we can say that contracts aren't worth the paper they're written on. But in, in this case, it's an example where he was held uh, to account. And in the end, mate, if you, if you don't want to do uh, that particular deal with a the club, then don't do it. Otherwise, you get put in his position. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's been an interesting one to watch because, he, as you say, he's, he has played his best year of AFL football. And, and I think in the end, Freeman will probably get close to overs for him. If They wouldn't have got two for, uh, second rounders as they've done this time around last year. I don't think at the end of 2021 they would have got that. So it's certainly been in the Dockers' advantage to have him play on and play a good season. And in Rory Lobb's credit, he has gone and put his head down and played a good season of footy. And um, if you talk about, you know, looking after the footy club, he's kind of done that, hasn't he, with the ability, you know, that he's had to really have make a difference for Freo this year. There were stages this year for the Freo Dockers where he was the difference maker. You know, he was the guy. And we, we hadn't really seen that for a long part of Rory Lobb's AFL career. So, I mean, hoping for him, keeping it positive, that that, that continues at the Western Bulldogs. Maybe it will with a, you know, it's, an, it's a more star-studded forward line at the Western Bulldogs with Norton and Jamara Eugle-Hagen than it has been at Fremantle with, you know, Tabiner at times struggling for form and, Josh Tracy um, clearly being still a young, developing, uh, young, tall forward. You know, Roy Lobb has had to be the guy. So maybe he gets himself to a position at the Western Bulldogs where he starts to, you know, really um, benefit from the fact he may not get the best defender every week. What about this one, Carl? The Herald Sun reporting that Saints won't have to pay out Ratton's full contract. Uh, Not that I can 100% um, claim that that's true, but I do have some understanding that, there are there are only a, a few clubs around the league that guarantee clubs uh, coaches contracts. West Coast is one of them. Um, it, Collingwood's one of them. It's it's the more well off clubs that can put some money behind them that are actually guaranteed. Some of these guys that are contracted and get cut before their contract ends, they won't get paid out. And I think St Kilda and Ratton might be one of those cases. Mm, well, that's disappointing uh, from my perspective. I think that uh, if you you know deny the bloke the opportunity after you gave him the job only a couple of months ago, that uh, he deserves the money that uh, he signed up for. Um, there's so much sport on this weekend. I look, the Wildcats are in action tonight against Melbourne United. Uh, the AFLW action tonight. I was just having a quick look, Scoey, and at the moment uh, Brisbane going along uh, their winning ways. They're going to beat Adelaide, in fact, uh, which is a, a good result for them. Twenty-four points is uh, the margin there. 
uh, at the back end of the third quarter. So you wouldn't have thought that uh, the Adelaide team would be coming back from there. But the Wallaroos uh, in Scotland this weekend. We've got the Rugby World Cup getting underway. Of course, we've got the, the T20 World Cup. We've got the Perth Glory and the Newcastle Jets playing on Saturday afternoon. Uh, that'll get underway at 2 o'clock. Uh, we've got the WAPGA Championship, which I spoke about, a $250,000 prize pool there. Uh, the Prime Minister's 11 matches back. That's not going to be played this weekend, but it's had a hiatus for two years due to COVID. So that's going to be coming back for four days. Uh, a day-nighter against the West Indies on November 23. And um, just lastly, the WBBL, of course, got underway yesterday. Hobart Hurricanes got the job done. Sydney Thunder uh, winning the Sydney Hurricanes, sorry, the Hobart Hurricanes beating the Sydney Thunder today by 19 runs after last night the Sixers getting the job done over the Brisbane Heat and the defending champions, the Perth Scorchers will be in action as well, so mate, there's a feast of sport to tune into, that's for sure. Can't wait Carl, it's going to be a great, great weekend of sport. We need to get to the break. Sports Day for Kia, the Kia EV6 and Sportage Cars of the Year. Welcome back to Sports Day. Great to have your company, One double three eight eighty two. And as we said off the top of the program, thanks to Repco Authorised Service for expert car service book online. And you can go to your local authorised service centre to do that. Uh, we have Darren Harris, Premiership Coach at the West Perth Football Club. Harris, how does that feel? Welcome, mate. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. It's, um, it's, I've said it a few times in the last couple of days, it's the... It's the gift that keeps giving. You sort of, you know, you wake up every day with a, a big smile on your face and, um, you know, different things tend to happen. Like a couple of days ago, I got a just a phone call from Kim, Kim Rigol, who I really admire, who's a past premiership captain and player, and you just get to talk footy and he talks about his perspective of the day. And so it's just, yeah, just day after day something comes at you. So it's, it's really nice, nice feeling, mate. Hello, Will Schofield here. Good to speak to you again, mate. Does does uh, does it move on quickly though? Like you know, things keep coming up, or you're still in you know honeymoon period. I'm interested to know where where the mindset is. Is it, when does it start moving to next yeah. year? Yeah, it's it's interesting. You sort of you, you you do after a couple of days, you get the you get the phone call from Stevie Truella, our footy manager, and you start to um, put in. Uh, um, exit interviews. So we've done about 26 or seven of those um, this week, uh, and they've been really, really positive, um, to be honest. But yeah, yeah, you're straight back into that, and it's pretty important um, to, to unpack how players have gone and how you can help them going forward. Um, so yeah, you're into it pretty quick, uh, but at the same time, um, we've got our Breckland medal to, tomorrow night, and I reckon that'll be. After that one, uh, I reckon it'll be time to, to really start to plot the next one. Harrow, when you are sitting around with your selection team and you look at uh, the grand final and you look at the handful of games that Rundle and Hinder had played between them, how much time did you spend on the young blokes and, and picking them and making them part of your team in that grand final? Because I tell you what, the two goals that they kicked on the day were important. Yeah, we we were really confident in um what they could both do, but we, we did we did make sure there was really good due diligence around around those selections. Um because we, we had a squad that was in form. Um the the twos had been going really well. Uh so yeah, it was a it was a, a long conversation but at the same time we, we always vote and and the vote went those two um their way. 
And so then the next day, what happens after that is usually I walk along the coast for two or three hours um, and sort of analyse it all in my head and make phone calls and then at the end of that um, make the decision. So, you know, the hard one was Hutchie. We, we, we probably knew we couldn't go with him, but we had to give him every chance and then, um, you know, so that ended up being the only change grand final day for Hinder. That's what I was going to ask. How's Mark Hutchings uh, pulled up after missing out on a grand final? You know, it got to the stage where his body completely ruled him out or was there a potential that you could have played him? No, I don't think we could have. I think when you when you when you got the scan and he had a five centimetre tear in there, um, and medical said it's too big a risk. Um, you know, our, our, we, we've trusted medical all year, so we just backed them in. And you know, he was disappointed, and it and it hurt him for a while. But I think um, he went away on the footy trip away to Darwin, and a couple of the boys said that he he understands that it was probably the right call. So I'll catch up with him um, tomorrow night. Darwin footy trip. Uh, did you get them all back, or are they still there? Yeah, yeah. Actually, it's a good story. Actually, we got a. Um, you remember Daryl Sinclair, the, who was worked with the umpires yeah. for many years, and um, he sent a he sent a message to the footy club. Him and his wife were at a hotel up there, and um, they were up there holidaying. And they said the boys were just outstanding with their behaviour and the way they treated people, etc. And he, he didn't actually know who they were. And, he asked them who they were, and they said they were the West Perth Footy Club. So we're pretty proud of the the people we have, mate. They they had a good time, um, but all good fun. Aaron Black, Shane Nelson, uh, they were the two young blokes when you won your last football uh, premiership at the West Perth Footy Club back under Billy Monaghan uh, back in 2013. Um, have you been able to keep the group together? Are you likely to, to, to lose anyone from your premiership team? What's it look like given the exit meetings that you spoke about? Yeah, no one at this stage. Um, it's been unbelie- unbelievably positive. I think even the blokes that were around the, the fringes are, are pretty hungry now to be a, be a part of that. Um, and and when you talk about Nelly and Blackie, like uh, you know, the conversations I've had with them is, you know, they get that one early in their career, and it's a bit like, oh, this is what happens, you know. And then they've had to wait nine years. So this one's really, really sweet for them. They're, they're they're really taking it in and enjoying it because they know how hard they've had to work over those nine years to get it. Um, so, yeah, we're, we're really hopeful of, of keeping our squad together and, and our Colts were really good this year. So we expect two or three potentially to get drafted um, out of our Colts system. Uh, you know, that would probably be the, the best-case scenario. So we have, have you know, 16 to 18 um, talented Colts kids coming through. So, yeah, there's going to be pressure on again, but... Um, yeah, we're hopeful of maintaining the list. Uh, you probably had a little bit of extra pressure on you, and I don't know whether you felt any of this. I'd be interested to know because your Colts went down, your reserves went down. I don't know if you know it's the year of the Tiger, and uh, everyone was talking, oh, well, it's going to be three from three, and that's what happened to Claremont, I think, previously, uh, only a few years ago. And uh, they started pretty well, the Tigers. They had you on the back foot early. They got a few shots on goal. They just couldn't find the major opening, could they? Nah, yeah, it was, um, yeah, it's it's not ideal when um, the the players were actually talking about it. So the you know the development lose and you sort of got your own prep as as the senior squad. So you feel that then the, then the Colts get beaten in a really close one, and our players were coming on the bus from Joondalup, and and there were six or seven players made their way to the game normally like they would, 
they talked about the fact that it was pretty, they were feeling pretty flat. Like it, it was just like, what's going on? There's no energy. And then the bus got there. And as the players all walked in off the bus, it was just like this, you know, real energy hit and everyone was up and about. And then they knew knew they were away. So, um, yeah, I, I coached Claremont the, 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 that day that we lost the three. And, and that was really, really tough, you know, a um, couple of really close ones that day too. So, yeah, I was... I was trying not to think about it too much, mate. <laughs> I was trying yeah. just to focus on my job, but yeah, um, yeah, the pressure was definitely mounting. What's the what's the life of a waffle head coach look like post season, Harrow? What's the next few months look like for you? Yeah, I think I think the review process is going to be really important. So we, you know, we've been capturing capturing all the information from the questions we asked the players and they're, they're pretty specific questions. Um, and from that, all, all that information will grab the trends. Um, and there'll be a lot of things that they want to make sure we maintain. They gave us some really great feedback, feedback with about six or seven games to go in the season. And, and we, we actioned all that feedback and it had a really big impact um, and empowered them to own it. And then, and then, so what'll happen is we'll get our coaches together and we'll do a, a football review um, and make sure we we try to keep our our coaches together. It's a it's a pretty tough gig when you've got young families and working and, and all those things are going along as well. So hopefully we'll keep our coaching staff. We'll we'll start training in December, um, but they'll all have their individual programs, which were sent out already this week. Um, so they'll just start ticking them over. Um, and for me, it, it's trying to analyse what the best teams in the AFL did. Um, and see if we can pick up anything from from that sort of vision to to be able to add to, to our squad. Um, I don't think things will change too much, but we we had a real defend first mindset this year as the first as my first year as coach, and and that worked really well. So we'll be looking for those opportunities to to add to that and score more. I'd, I'd imagine. Thanks very much for your time tonight. We appreciate it. Take care and uh, enjoy some time off when you get it. When will you get some time off? Oh, it's it's intermittent at the moment, mate. Um, I'll be playing a bit of golf and trying to not have too much in the calendar in uh, in my leadership work over the, the next month. Um, I'm getting away with Gavin Bell and Jeff Valentine and their families next weekend for, for three or four nights, so that, that'll be really nice. Um, yeah, mate, looking forward to that. Good on you. Take care and thank you for chatting to us tonight. Yeah, thanks, man. See you later. Good on you. Darren Harris there, uh, West Perth coach. Uh, thanks to Repco Authorised Service. So you can lie, uh, rely on your local Repco Authorised Service centre. Did a good job, Scoey, this year. He did a fair bit in the WAFL. Yeah, he did, mate. He led that team to a, to a premiership, which is all you can ask as a, as a coach. Uh, cl- clearly, there were some uh, differences between Claremont and West Perth. But, but really, that just added something to the grand final. It, 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 it was a story behind... Uh, a grand final ended up being a, you know, a fantastic game and it could have been anyone's with five minutes to go in that. So I'm sure he's pretty proud of his boys, what they did on the field, but uh, not surprising, but what was more impressive, uh, how they handled themselves in Darwin at a footy trip. I've had a couple of those and uh, trouble. it's a troubling place to keep your behaviour in line, Carl. So it's a good effort from West Perth. Yeah, it would have been nice and warm up there. Uh, gee, I'll tell you what's good for a nice ginger beer. Uh, I need to clear a commitment because I've got that thought on my mind and come back after the break and uh, we will have a quick chat as we lead up to the 7 o'clock news that's fast approaching here on Adity 2 6PR. Sports Day for Kia. The Kia EV6 and Sportage. Cars of the Year.
Welcome back to Sports Day. Now, Will Schofield, out of the 7 o'clock news that's fast approaching, we're going to be having a chat to Michelle Enright, the CEO of the ICC T20 World Cup here in Australia. Now, Australia will begin their title defence in front of a capacity crowd because what we do know is that the announcement came out today that it is sold out at the SCG for the official opener. The Australians will take on New Zealand in that match uh, and that'll feature on Saturday. What do you think? Well, excited wouldn't be the right word. I, I don't know. Maybe I've been hiding under a rock, but there's a couple of World Cups coming up. There's the Rugby League World Cup and there's, of course, the T20 World Cup. And this isn't saying anything bad about those sports, but my excitement levels aren't like they are for the AFL or even an Ashes series, something like that. Are you excited about the T20 World Cup, Carl? Yeah, I am. And I think that I think that the once the we see the very best players playing. I mean, over 600,000 tickets have already been snapped up, I believe, by the fans and and we'll have a good chat to Michelle about that shortly. But over 600,000 tickets, uh, India and Pakistan fixture uh, that's at the MCG the following night is going to be played in front of a full house. So there's only additional standing room tickets that were available and they sold within 10 minutes. So, you know, that's quite significant. You're talking about a uh, a, a scenario here where we've got a packed house sellout at the SCG, a packed house sellout involving uh, India and Pakistan the following night. Oh, I think that signals is what uh, is going to be a really good start. And as the show builds and we'll see a few of the qualifiers, look, I hope a couple of the minnows get through. We spoke to Ryan Campbell on the program last night. And of course, he's piloting the Netherlands and their sides like Namibia and the UAE who are going to be action in action, hopefully down uh, there in Geelong over the course of the weekend, Scoey. So let's just hope we see one of the, one of the little guys get through and uh, be part of the Super 12. I'll be cheering for something like that. I'm certainly not suggesting that people aren't excited about it. It's just me, Carl. I, I, I probably won't be going to watch any of the games. I'll watch a bit of it on TV, but I watch most things on TV. What, what about Australia, though? Um, you, you mentioned defending champions, the Australian team, and, of course, at the helm was Justin Langer, uh, West Australian Justin Langer. Do you expect any kickback from fans or people at the grounds uh, if Australia start to lose these games of cricket? Because they, let's be honest, they haven't played well in the lead up and uh, they're under new management effectively. So have people forgotten about how Justin Langer was dismissed from this team or are we all good? Uh, oh, look, I think that there probably is a little bit of that, a little bit of that. I think Aaron Finch, although he's been one of the very best players in the world in this form of the game for a long time. So uh, he, he's a guy, though, that... Uh, is having uh, the finger pointed at him. Uh, saw, in, of course, in the news today that David Warner, uh, and you know he's been banned from the leadership, uh, that could be over, so he might be welcomed back into the fray. But, you know, they soaked up so many balls the other day against England. And, look, England have come to town. Mike Hussey, who we'll have a chat to next week, uh, in advance of the first game that's going to be played here between England and Afghanistan, looking forward to that, so, uh, might be able to give us a little bit of a, a close-up and personal insight to England. But they look like they've come with a real steel resolved. They're bowling and batting well, particularly their bowling I like. They seem to have adapted early to the Australian conditions. I know that's only been over there at Manica, so looking forward to seeing how that evolves. Hey, mate, we need to get to the news. Willie Pike's going to join us after 7 o'clock tonight as well. Uh, he's got a big day of racing there. He'll be riding Mass Crusader in the Everett. Tim Gears, the Perth Thundersticks are undefeated, both men's and women's team. They'll be action uh, on Saturday out at the Curtin University. Gavin Migro will update us with the latest in Speedway. 
That's only a week away from kicking off their season. And Dean Gardner, the bloke who I reckon I used to go out uh, partying with. I'll have to just reflect on that when we uh, get uh, towards the back end of the show. But he'll be joining us tonight. Ocean paddling uh, is huge in his world and he heads up uh, the biggest prize money event at the moment and it's right here in this state. Thanks to Kia, Australia's most one of the Kia EV6 and Kia Sportage cars of the year. Back soon. Sports Day for Kia. The Kia EV6 and Sportage cars of the year. Nice to have your company here on Sports Day and you can watch the T20 Cricket World Cup on KO Sports and it is fantastic to have Michelle Enright joining us here on the program, the CEO of the ICC T20 World Cup here in Australia. Michelle, welcome. How are you going? Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me on the program. Oh, look, super excited. We're only you know two days away from our opening match, so it's all, all the teams are in the country. It's all happening. You must be really excited with uh, the way that things have come together because it was, I think, a a situation that if we reflect back a few months that we didn't know what the landscape was going to look like, but COVID's gone away, the world seems to have got back to some sort of normal, and here we are. You're dead right. We had that, of course, we had the the Women's World Cup um, back in March, 2020 there, just before the world shut down, really. So we feel pretty fortunate we got that record-breaking final off. And here we are again on the other side of that when, as you rightly say, the world's open, the borders are open, the cities are buzzing, COVID seems to be um, manageable. So, um, yeah, we're, we're feeling pretty fortunate, actually. Michelle, it's great to see cricket spread right across Australia with some of the events over the next few weeks. How does it all get split around the states? Is it a, go into a big hat and we pull pieces of paper out, or how do we do it? <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the uh, yeah, not quite. The cities bid to um, host matches, and the, the, we run a venue selection process that was way back um, in 2017, 2018. So uh, that's that's how they've been allocated. And you're right, we're lucky we're across seven uh, host cities and each city's got some great matchups. So it's pretty exciting that, you know, most people around Australia can get to see some of these superstars of world cricket in their own backyard. It is going to be fantastic. And uh, we saw, I think, firsthand uh, here in our city how popular the game is. 23,000 fans turned out for game one, even though it's only a warm-up game between Australia and England. But nice to see 23,000 fans back at the cricket, given it have been, I think off the top of my head, Michelle, 1,029 days since we'd had wow. any cricket whatsoever at Optus Stadium. Oh, goodness. And you're right. And that was a a great match and hopefully reminded everybody of how exciting T20 cricket is. And of course, you had England and Australia, both of whom will be playing in Perth. So, you know, if you want to see some more of that action, uh, uh, England play Afghanistan in the opening match there. And then Australia's got the qualifier, one of the um, first rounds, which on rankings uh, in that Group A could be someone like Sri Lanka. So that could be a, a, a great match. Are you and be, I think we've, oh, sorry, Carl. Are you, you go, Will. Are you, you going to be? Uh, are you going to be travelling around, Michelle? Are you going to be getting to every game or just some? Yes. What's your travel schedule yeah. like? <laughs> I'll be travelling around for sure. There's, there's, um, yeah, that's absolutely what I want to do. At this, once the event's on, you want to catch as much action as you can. Um, some of the lap g- games overlap, so I won't get to um, every game, but I'll certainly want to get to as many as I can. I'll definitely be there in Perth um, for a couple of the match days, that's for sure. 
Um, the, you know, the T20, it's the World Cup. It's the best of the best in 2020. Uh, there's going to be a lot of people at the games live. Is it just as big for uh, telecast both here in Australia and globally for, for the game here in Australia? It's, it's a big deal to have the World Cup, isn't it? Oh, it is. I tell you what, the the, um, the audience views for this are staggering. But I think for the uh, 21 World Cup that was in the UAE and um, uh, Dubai over there, that, uh, the, the video views and broadcast coverage was something like 4.3 billion. And I think they're looking to exceed that for this event. So you can just imagine, you know, our, our country, if, if you like, being on show to the rest of the world, showing everyone we're open for business, we're great at hosting events. And actually, it shows it showcases the host cities as well, really well. So, you know, it's great for all of Australia, but the host cities and venues per stadium there will be looking um, magical as it always does. And, and you're right in front of you know great crowds. Uh, you know that India match on the on the last Sunday is is there's only a few tickets left, so get in quick for that one. The Australia match is hotting up and. As you said, now that people have seen England in action, I'm sure there'll be more fans get out for that. And then you've got a Pakistan match as well in between all of that. So, um, yeah, whether you're at the stadium or on broadcast, it's, it's going to be a very entertaining. And I'll tell you what, uh, the Indians were so popular and they take on South Africa. Now, that, I think, is going to be one of the most well-attended matches when you consider the number of Indian and South African people that uh, live over our side of the country, that's for sure. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. That match is selling hot. So, yeah, if you want to see them in action, and, boy, they're always a crowd favourite, aren't they, India? And you're right, playing South Africa, who there's a lot of people that know the cricket uh, side of it better than me, but they're a bit of a, um, uh, you know, some people are backing them in this event as well. So you've got some good match-ups there. And then before that evening, there's a match on before that on the Sunday, which is a nice afternoon match, so a nice kind of day out for the family. And you've got Pakistan playing one of the qualifiers as well. So you've got some really high-profile teams over there in Perth. Given our state government through Tourism WA successfully bid for the five Super 12 matches, which is across the four games, that includes the doubleheader and the three standalone matches, which we've discussed, um, how competitive was it? And what do you think the... Or what are you expecting by way of numbers? Do you, do you sort of put a guesstimate on that from the start? Do you mean crowd numbers or? Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, look, that's a, a wonderful stadium there. And if you could fill it for every match, you would. But mm. um, that India-South Africa match, as I said, that one will be a ripper. And the others, you know, are really starting to hot up now as well. So, um, yeah, we just hope to get as many people along to see this. You know these superstars in this entertaining form of cricket, and with you know you you know T Twenty, whether you've, you're a cricket tragic as we as we say, or whether you've never watched a game of cricket in your life, there's the entertaining games to get along, and and then we've priced them really accessibly, like the kids tickets are from five dollars and adults from twenty dollars uh, to most of the matches, so it's a pretty accessible day out for the family. If, if you love cricket or if you're interested in coming and, and um, having, a, uh, having a day or an afternoon or an evening out. There's, there's external events as well that go along with this, Michelle. It's mm. not just the cricket. We've got inflatable pop-ups down at Scarborough. We've got um, a couple of, <laughs> couple of teams down at Forest Place. And then you can watch some of the games down at Yagan Square. So there is yeah. ancillary stuff that goes on with this also for the families as well. Yeah, well, you like to kind of bring the city to life. So it is more than the cricket. It's... You know, it's an entertaining, you know, kind of 
takeover of the city. And, and you're right, there's a fan zone there. And, and we want a hero, the cricketers as well. I love those, um, you know, big helmet heads, for want of a better word, of the players that the, the team there in WA has come up with. It, that's We haven't seen that before. It's really innovative and just a bit of fun. So, yeah, people can get out and um, experience a bit of that before the matches as well. Fantastic. Well, thank you very much uh, for your time tonight here on Sports Day. We really appreciate it and uh, good luck. We know that uh, things are going to be busy and I'm just glad that it uh, has all worked out the way that it has. And let's hope that uh, we have some great cricket matches and that our team, Australia, who are, I think, going in (laughs) a rank number six, aren't we? Number six in the world. Yeah, I know. That's how the rankings are working. But I'm sure everyone would, uh, would like them to come out on top and I'm sure they would too. Good on you, Michelle. Thank you very much for your time tonight. Thanks very much, guys. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Michelle, thank you. Michelle Enright there, CEO of the ICC T20 World Cup here in Australia. And don't risk missing all your team's matches of the T20 World Cup. You can get it all on KO Sports. We will clear a commitment on the other side. Come back and have a chat to Willie Pike, champion jockey, riding in the Everest on the weekend. He's riding Mask Crusader. We'll find out about his chances. He's got plenty of other runners in the day. We'll have a chat to him next. Sports Day for Kia, the Kia EV6 and Sportage, Cars of the Year. Nice to have your company here on Sports Day and fantastic to have champion jockey Willie Pike talking to us tonight in advance of the Everest. Of course, uh, tomorrow comes up race number seven over there in Randwick and he joins us on the program. Willie, welcome, mate. Nice to chat. Yeah, thanks for having us, guys. How are you? I'm going really well, and uh, Will's going all right too. But uh, more importantly, how are you feeling heading into one of now the richest races in the country? Yeah, uh, pretty excited. Um, but at the same time, I suppose, I don't think that's, you know, the gravity is going to hit me until I get there tomorrow. And they say it's going to, the crowd is most likely set to break um, attendance record from when Winks retired. So, That'll be something. Willie, does a preparation for a bigger race like Everest change for you personally, or is it just another race weekend? Uh, it, is, it is mostly just another race weekend. Um, probably just done a little more homework leading in. Um, and But in fairness, the, the Everest itself is pretty well laid out. The horses are well raced. You, you know them. They've raced for a while. Um, but mostly probably a little more homework than usual, but... Really, it's just another race, mate. It's just another race that you want to win. Um, but, yeah, just trying to make sure you're on the ball. And what about the, the weather? It's, it's been pretty uh, miserable weather over there. Does that change anything f- for you, f- for you personally? Uh, it, will, it will do. I suppose it will change, just change the way you approach a few things. But that mostly will be unknown until we get there tomorrow and I'll, I'll get out and walk the track and um, form my own opinions of, where I think the best lanes are. And um, I haven't been out on the track as yet, but I'm quite concerned from where they raced on it last week with uh, the meeting got abandoned, but obviously the track was very heavy. So I'm very keen to get out and have a look, see what marks they left on the track and, and whether or not I think those lanes are still a good option. 
You are riding Mast Crusader, prepared by Michael Wayne and John Hawkes. Uh, its record over this distance is outstanding. One five of ten, a couple of seconds in a third. You're a, a $12 pop. All the rage when I look at Tab Touch as we go to air tonight, Willie, is a $1.95 nature strip we know uh, has been an outstanding horse for Chris Waller. Uh, do you reckon you've got the horse that can knock it off? Yeah, I really do. Um, look, he, I think he went within a head or a neck last year of Nature Strip. Um, his runs have been building up really nicely for this race. The barrier is a little bit of a shame we drew a, a bit, little bit wider than I would have liked, but, um, yeah, that's, that's racing. We can't help that. That's what I've got, and that's what I'll deal with. But, um, like, yeah, I really think I've got the horse that is capable of beating him, and especially with... Um, uh, nature ship drawing out in barrier 12 well there's a chance that he might not get that nicer run and yeah that'll bring us right into it with your relationship that you've formed uh with the horse mate what's that been like because you've you've had a chance uh, the last few rides to get a real understanding of of how the horse works yeah absolutely uh look it, it started um back in melbourne I, I managed to win the william reed on him and uh, it was a fly-in, fly-out kind of mission, and uh, he made me look pretty good that night, so that was really nice. And, um, and look, I've, I've rode him a couple of times now. First up was a really nice run. Second up was fantastic. And, uh, look, you just know that, you know, these horses that have been set for these races, they're going to peak. They're, they're going to have them peaking just, just nicely for the day. So I'm really looking forward to uh, that turn of foot I know he's going to have. I know you said that it's just another weekend for you, uh, Willie, but do, do you have weekends like this, like the Everest, just, just a little bit more in bold font on the calendar? Do you do you want to win these more than others? Well, I think um, I kind of approach it like, oh, no, nah, it's not that big a deal, that big a deal. And then now that it's here, you're kind of like, oh, my God, it's a big deal. So, <laughs> yeah, de- you, definitely, you definitely pay attention a bit more and um, try to play it down, I suppose, just to keep the pressure off yourself and, Make make sure you can sleep the night before, but then no, without a doubt, you know you know you're out there. Come these days, uh, you have got a a good chance to see how the track's playing early. Uh, Rosetta in race one, Wicklow in race two. Before uh, you have a little bit of a, a spell for a couple of races. How important? And I know that you're riding completely different horses, but how important are those sorts of races to sort of understand how the track's playing to start the day? Uh, yeah, I think they're they're crucial. Um, you're going to get a good look at the way the tracks playing out. Um, I, th- I think maybe if the weather had been good and the tracks were, were probably going to be a little bit nicer, then mightn't be as crucial. But um, especially with just the exposure the tracks had to all this weather and things, I, I really think it's going to it's going to be nice to have a real good look at the track and, and see how it plays and, and see where it feels like you can make ground because um, a couple of the meetings have really struggled to make ground and that, that's a bit of a concern sometimes. What's the schedule look like after Everest, Willie? Um, is it full for you? Will we see you back in WA? Where, where, where are you headed? Um, I, I am coming back to WA um, for Railway Stakes Day. Um, I've got sort of business I've got to still sort out at home. Um, I've still got my farm back home and, uh, you yeah, know, I've still got to make sure, you know, get my cows in and, and do all those things. And, uh, and so I'll be there. Railway Stakes Day, but outside of that, I actually don't have any 
concrete plans. Um, I suppose it will depend on what rides I'm able to get and, and if, if I think I'm going to be um, yeah, if, if I think I'm going to be able to feature in the, in the pinnacles and pick up those those good rides, then maybe I'll hang around for a bit longer. But uh, the plan at this stage is railways probably the only day truly pencilled in, and then most likely come back and get back into the grind over here. Have you enjoyed the experience? I mean, the way that it happened uh, is not the way that you would have liked to. I understand to to take on uh, you know the the very best over there on the east coast consistently, mate. But uh, have you enjoyed the journey to this point? Uh, no, yes and no. It's had it's had its ups and downs. Um, I, I think um, um, one of the aspects I sort of struggled with is I was a very consistent rider in Perth and always always riding plenty of winners and had a good strike rate, whereas that's not there now. And you're really having to, to work hard for any result, whether you know, even outside of a win, just a place sometimes is um, a lot of hard work. So the, the challenges, you know, it's definitely brought me back a few years like from the old days when I was apprentice and actually had to earn my keep. So the challenge side of it's been really good. Um, I reckon I would have enjoyed it a whole lot more if the weather was better. Uh, I think riding on these heavy tracks is really, really draining. But overall, the challenge of it all is, is um, yeah, I think it's been really good. All right. Sounds like you're a little bit homesick to me and we're going to see you back here, which because I'd <laughs> love to have you back, mate. Um, I, I can tell you that. I'm one person that uh, wants to see you riding back here in WA. Uh, look, uh, after the Everest, you've got Lock Eagle um, and that's a last start winner. And uh, I think that uh, there's, a, there's a chance for you to finish off the day really, really well. What do you think, uh, just having a look through the rides here, you've got, you've got Rebel Rama in race nine and, of course, uh, Cape de Joy, I think it is, in race number 10. What do you think's your best of the day? I mean, is, it, is your best ride do you feel in the Everest on the weekend? Uh, well, it's definitely the best horse I'm on, but it's also the hardest race to win. So I thought my best ride was going to be in the last, actually, but it's um, I see they've scratched it early, so it uh, won't be the last now. Um, Lockheed okay. was a really nice pickup, and also the, I think I'm a fantastic chance in the Kosciuszko on a horse called Another One. Um, come up with a good barrier. Uh, I think the horse is generally... He generally likes a little bit further, but they've really targeted this race. Kept him, kept him fresh for the 1,200. Come up with a nice alley, which is going to help. And uh, look, uh, the horse has got really good form. And uh, yeah, I'm really looking forward to riding uh, another one outside of the Everest, of course. But um, yeah, I, I think I, I think I can feature somewhere there. But uh, I'm looking forward to the Kosciuszko. All right, so for all of those of you that uh, want to know, it's race five, number five, another one, which uh, is what uh, Willie has thrown out to us tonight. Mate, uh, good, good luck. Thank you very much for having a yak to us and uh, look forward to seeing you back in Perth during the Pinnacles. Uh, and thank you very much for your time and good luck in the, the big one, the Everest, mate. Go hard. Hey, thanks very much, guys. Fingers crossed. Willie. Willie Pike, he is a, uh, a very, very good horseman and uh, would be lovely to see him consistently riding back in our state. Uh, very, very competitive. And do you know, tell you what, Will, let's hope that he can get the job done. Well, I agree with you, Carl. Another one. I reckon there's a few people scrambling for their accounts. I reckon you might just want to have a look what that one's paying. It might be worth having a little tinkle on.
Well, I can tell you that another one, that uh, the one he's thrown out, is paying $15 and $4.40 on the fixed it. odds right now. I so gamble it, responsibly, gamble responsibly, but just uh, have a little dollar each way or something like that, thanks to Kia. Australia's most wanted, the Kia EV6 and Kia Sportage. Cars of the year. Tim Gears, Perth Thundersticks, going beautifully up to round three already in the series. And it's going to be right here at home. The men playing in advance of the women, and it's all out there at the Perth Hockey Stadium. We'll have a chat to Tim next here on Sports Day. Sports Day for Kia. The Kia EV6 and Sportage. Cars of the Year. Nice to have your company here on Sports Day. And Thundersticks acting captain this weekend is Tim Gears, and he joins us here on Sports Day. Timmy, welcome, mate. How are you going? Yeah, thanks for having me, boys. Going well. And, um, yeah, stepping in for some big shoes this weekend with um, Aaron Zalewski out. But, um no, looking forward to the game. Should be should be a really good one. Now, you've come off a couple of really good wins. Uh, Adelaide uh, fire the first one and then Melbourne on the weekend. And, of course, you've got these uh, couple of uh, really good games to kick off the 2022 series. Um, how's it been so far? Yeah, it's been really good. We've had um, a really good lead into the, the start of the new season and, uh, like you said, kicked off our season with a couple of good wins over Adelaide and then um, away on the road last week against Melbourne. And same goes for the women as well. They've um, started their season undefeated. So, yeah, it's been a really positive start for, for both teams. So you're back home now, Tim. You've been over in Melbourne. You got back before it started flooding over there? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Well, the floods just about started when we got over there. I think we flew in uh, last Thursday and our game was on the Friday night and we had a training session during the day on Friday morning and it was coming down pretty uh, pretty heavily and consistently. But luckily we dodged it for the game and got back to Perth uh, before the flood started. And, uh, yeah, looking forward to the good weather that's here in Perth on the weekend. What's it like juggling the schedule between um, your action with the Perth Thundersticks and then um, some of your action with Melville, I think, being told a couple of back-to-back premiership with Melville. What's it like balancing that schedule with both teams? Yeah, that's right. Back-to-back flags with uh, the Melville boys. But uh, basically, that's all wrapped up before the start of the Hockey One season. So uh, we do train with both sides towards the back end of the club season. But the Hockey One season starts about a week or two after the club season. So it's basically from one straight into the other. Now, just having a look at a few of those uh, boys in your team that have been getting on the board, uh, you spoke about Aaron Zalewski, but uh, Wickham Geddes and Flynn have also been uh, inside, I think, right now, the top eight goal scorers in the tournament so far. Yeah, that's right. TJ's had a, um, a really strong start to the season, which is fantastic for us. Unfortunately, we'll miss him on the weekend, but we've got some um, really exciting guys coming in for their debuts in Sasha Thomas. Um, and also Ross Hall is coming in for his first game, and uh, we've got another debutant there in Ben Taylor at the back. Yeah, that's right. He's a good threat on penalty corners for us as well. Um, and Liam Flynn's just carried his form from probably the last five years here in the club league, and um, he took out the Olympians medal this year. I think he hit something like 37 goals or something, which is just unbelievable. And um, Cam Geddes is another one who's who's made a really strong start to his hockey one career for uh, the Thundersticks and continuing on his strong form from the under-21 tournament earlier this year. So 
it's really good. We've got numerous weapons and um, plenty of guys in the team that can score, which is uh, which has certainly helped in the first couple of games. You'd know a little bit about the under twenty ones, Tim. I think you're the coach down there. Um, bit bit rare for someone to be doing that, coaching the under eighteens, under twenty ones, national championships down there as well. So you get a bit of a look at the youth coming through. Yeah, that's right. And I reckon like that's one of the more enjoyable things for me being part of the Thundersticks and being able to play alongside guys like. Geddes and Brody Foster who have come in from the 21s and now making their Thunder 6 debuts. Um, something I really enjoy getting, you know, to coach the 18s and then we took on the challenge of the 21s and I can't remember last time a state took out both the 18s and the 21s and um, it'd be fantastic if we could do the three-peat and take out the, uh, the Hockey 1 title as well. That'd be a, a pretty rare feat, I reckon. When it comes to uh, the the girls, um, Kate Denning and uh, Jane Vanderswan, uh, they've been a really uh, um, uh, good behind the scenes. They're going to be making first appearance, I think, in this weekend. And what about Coach uh, Phil Hulbert? How much do you have to do with him? Oh, we don't have a lot to do with the uh, the women's. And most of the time, we're preparing for our own game at the same time that they're kind of playing. So, unfortunately, we haven't been able to see a great deal, but. Uh, looking forward to watching their game following our game this weekend. Um, they play, obviously, well, the men play first this week and the women follow us. Um, but Holby's had a lot of success coaching Vic Park and the club comp over here with the women. And um, it's really exciting. It's a former Thunderstick himself for him to be taken over the women's program. And like you said, there's a lot of um, talent in that team as well. And uh, Liam Flynn, for us, like I mentioned, won the Olympians medal, has carried that into our form. And Lene Milan, who won the Charlesworth medal for the women's, made a really uh, dominant start for the for the women's Thundersticks team as well. So, um, no, it's fantastic that we're, uh, we're, we're playing really well across both programs and hopefully we can carry that into tomorrow afternoon's games. So you're playing the Brisbane Blaze tomorrow, Tim. Is, is hockey, mind my ignorance, is hockey a, a tactical game in terms of you're looking at Brisbane, their strengths and weaknesses, or are you more worried about yourself and what you guys can deliver on, on, the, uh, on the pitch? Oh, a bit of both, Scoey. We do kind of a, a pretty thorough review of our games each week and also do um, a pretty strong scouting report on the opposition each game so that we are pretty aware of what we're up against and, um, you know, how they might play in different structures that might arise and also, you know, the best way tactically for us to win each game each week. So, yeah, typically once our game's over on the weekend, we get the video pretty quickly, do a review at the start of the week and, and more so a game prep towards the end of the week. And, um, yeah, we're really prepared for the Blaze on the weekend. They're a very strong team and have been, you know, for a number of years now. But, um, you know, we've got some guys missing, but so do they. And, uh, yeah, we're, we're going in full of confidence. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I think that uh, the first time that this Hockey One tournament kicked off was just prior to COVID, wasn't it? 2019. So it's nice to have it back. Yeah, that's correct. They, you know, it was a massive launch of the new competition, but unfortunately the timing was was pretty dreadful with what happened in the world. Um, but there's nothing we could really do about that. So, yeah, there's been a lot of excitement around this uh, this year's tournament after a couple of years of a, a hiatus, and um, the crowd's been really strong. I read the other day that um, you know they're experiencing some some pretty significant numbers of attendance to each game, which is fantastic. I think in the Canberra game the other night they had 1,500 people there, and certainly for our first home game at Perth Hockey Stadium there was a massive crowd as well. So 
Um, yeah, tickets are on sale. The kids, uh, if you're under 18, kids get free entry. And, um, yeah, we're looking forward to building the profile and, and the following of our team, um, not only over the next two home games, but uh, in the years to come as well. Tim, thank you very much for sharing some time with us tonight and all the best for the weekend. No worries, guys. Thanks very much for your time. Thank you, Tim. Tim uh, Gears there. Now, the action kicks off from 4.30 on Saturday, and it is at the Perth Hockey Stadium at Curtin University. The men hit the field uh, first at 4.30, and then the women follow at 6 o'clock. So get along, and as Tim said, tickets are on sale right now. Kids uh, under 18 go free, and let's get behind our Perth Wildcats this season as well. Head to ticketech.com.au now. Sports Day for Kia. The Kia EV6 and Sportage, Cars of the Year. Welcome back to Sports Day. Fantastic to have the Speedway Racing Manager joining us here on Sports Day. Gav, how are you going, mate? Good, boys. You just interrupted me. I was just listening to, about listening to the back chat and Daniel Ricciardo. So uh, uh, I hope that, uh, that will, that'll get us going for the show. Very good, Gavin. You found a way to my heart. Back chat, my podcast. Yes, that's right. I'm going to promote myself. We spoke to Daniel Ricciardo. We did it in the, the Netherlands, would you believe, Gavin? So it's a bloody good episode. So if we continue along that theme, down at uh, the Perth Motorplex, you do have Power Palooza kicking off, which I'm told is a, is a really good event. Fireworks monster trucks, you got burnouts, you got speedway, you got all happening. Yeah, absolutely. Well, look, uh, so it's our annual event that we uh, that we kick off the season with, and it's sort of it's sort of like a live calendar. You get to taste test a little bit of everything that we do at the Perth Motorplex, and and obviously Saturday week on the twenty second of uh, October is when we fire it up. So the drag racing first uh, in the afternoon, commencing around the two o'clock mark, and uh, great news for drag racing fans who've got a uh, a door slam, a, a pro slam round, so that's looking like a really good one. We've got about ten cars racing in that, plus all the uh, the usual favourites for drag racing punters, and then um, then we flow into a little burnout e- exhibition, um, probably uh, fifteen twenty cars, and then uh, we'll go some fireworks, monster trucks, and then uh, and then speedway. So uh, and then obviously uh, you know the, all the favourites from speedway as well, the sprint cars, late model speed cars, the uh, wing the sprints, and the former five hundred. So it's uh, promises to be the biggest uh, motortainment event that you're going to see this summer in uh, in the good old West Australia. Carl's uh, just had a little break. Sorry. Uh, sorry, mate. Uh, now, Gav, it sounds like a good day. I've never been down to the motorplex. Is it something the family can get involved with? Absolutely. Um, you know, the, with, with the uh, the fans that we have, it's a, it's a really cool thing. Like, we have, like... Uh, a lot of punters that'll bring their kids and then they'll, they'll buy a silver ticket, which gives them pit access so they can get up close to the race cars, walk around them. It's like a pit paddock area. Um, uh, wonderful amenities for the fans. You know, good, beautiful green grass, like a uh, like an amphitheatre uh, lawn terraced all the way around it. It's, uh, you know, you've got a capacity of around the 12,000 mark, the venue. So it's, it's without doubt the best speedway and drag racing facility of its kind in, uh, in the world. So... And not bad for little old downtown Perth, the most remote capital, capital city in the world. So, uh, yeah, it's a um, it's a wonderful venue, and, and certainly with uh, with families bringing their kids down on on some of the kids' favourite nights, you know, with the you know fireworks or demolition derbies or jet car nights for drag racing, uh, certainly well worth uh, getting down to have a look. Hey, Gav, uh, one thing that it is going to be good to have back is the very best around the country. The season starts on October 22, but it pushes right through until almost the end of April. We've got the Americans coming to town. It's going to be getting uh, getting back to somewhere near normal. 
Absolutely. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, once we uh, get this over and done with and finish the Back Chat podcast, I'm going to go into the Sprint Car Action yes. Group launch tonight at, uh, at Maddington Toyota with their Canningvale Toyota um, uh, a, a new, brand new showroom that they're opening tonight. So all the teams will be there showcasing their new cars. But there, there's such excitement in the air, Carl. Like you said, the Americans are coming in the Christmas New Year period. Uh, we've also and we've got you know, three of the best drivers uh, in in the US coming to coming to Australia or to Perth in particular, and then and then the granddaddy of them all in February uh, for the Australian Sprint Car Championship. And what's so cool, Carl, is that we've we've um, we launched a Sprint Car Superpass um, a couple of months ago, about about six weeks ago, and um, the Superpass uh, for the Gold area, the reserved seating, is about fifty percent sold. So um, we and look, we haven't even started our season yet. So we we, we really anticipate the gold, uh, you know, the super sprint car superpass to sell out well before the Australian Championship even hits hits Perth. So uh, if any punters are out there listening right now, don't delay. Go to motorflex.com.au to uh, get a ticket. So, uh, Brilliant, mate. Well, uh, thank you very much for joining us briefly here on Sports Day tonight. Uh, we will have a chat to you as the season unfolds. But uh, take care, mate, and have a chat to you soon. Good on you, boys, and back-to-back chat. Yes, good on you. Uh, Gavin Migrate winging his way along in the car, listening uh, to Scoey's uh, little podcast that he did. I had a look at it myself the other day, laying on the couch, Scoey. It was really good. I loved uh, the way that you two bounced off each other. Thanks to Australia's Most Wanted. We're here for Kia, uh, the Kia EV6 and Kia Sportage Cars of the Year. We've got to get to the break, and Dean Gardner is going to join us next. Sports Day for Kia. The Kia EV6 and Sportage Cars of the Year. Welcome back to Sports Day and a ocean paddling legend by the name of Dean Gardner, a boy who grew up in Wembley Downs. He was a nipper at Floriot and he is a bloke that uh, is very, very good at what he does. Nice to have him on the program. Dean, welcome home. How are you? Oh, I'm very well. Thanks for having me, fellas. Yeah, it's, uh, it's good to be back in, in WA. I'm actually at the airport now. I'm away uh, down to Albany. I uh, haven't been down there for a while, so it should be a good weekend down there. Uh, just tell us uh, why you are in town. I mean, I know why you're in town, but uh, can you tell us why you're here? Yeah, so I'm here. We're, um, we're organising an event in November, which we've been running now for 20 years, which is called The Doctor, which an ocean paddling event from uh, Rottnest Island and finishes at Sorrento Surf Club. And uh, it's been uh, it's been an event that's grown over time and, and now it's the, the biggest event in the world and, and has the most prize money in the world. So our generous sponsors at Shore and Partners have chucked in um, uh, $260,000 in prize money this year. So we've, we've got a uh, the best field that's ever been assembled and uh, it should be an absolute cracker. Dean, how does the biggest race week in the world come to Perth? How does that come about? Uh, well, mainly because uh, I think the location just suits what we do. So, you know, the craft we use are designed to, to surf the ocean chop. And, and given that the, the wind starts here pretty well midday every day from October through to um, January, and, and Rottnest is ideally suited a, a, a good... Uh, 26k from from Sorrento. It, it's a perfect race distance, and it's the perfect wind direction, and it's the perfect strength wind to to utilise the craft that we use, and and uh, it just makes it so much fun for the paddlers. 
And so the name, the doctor, of course, on the back of the Frio doctor. Uh, now, back in 2000, Dino, when you came up with the, this particular idea, um, what, what, was the, what was the money like and how long has it taken to sort of get it to something meaningful? Yeah, I guess I've been a bit of a, a journeyman with this event. It's um, yeah. So we we started the event back in in, in two thousand and one, as you said, and and uh, you know I think our first event may have had about sixty paddlers in it, and uh, our first event was actually a coastal one that ran from Fremantle down to Sorrento, uh, and then every year uh, we've had growth, and um, it's been in the last few years we've had significant growth. So. Um, yeah, it's been it's been really good. So every year we've seen a little bit more, and and the growth has actually worked pretty well for us. In that it's been, it it hasn't been too drastic uh, each year. And we've we've managed to keep up because getting, you know, five hundred odd craft over to Rottnest is quite a mission. So um, we've managed to work our way through that, and and uh, you know, come to this point now where we've got we'll have over five hundred people on the line uh, at Rottnest in November. And those 500 will come from all over the world, won't they, Dan? Yeah, I think we probably have about uh, 20 countries represented in this event. Um, and the majority of the field is from either overseas or interstate. So it's a, it's a good thing for Western Australia. And I love Western Australia, obviously, growing up here. So, um, yeah, I love the fact that people can come here and experience the things that I've had when I was growing up here. You know, I, I was doing downwinds as a... 14-year-old kid along the coast and uh, from Rottnest and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, it's great. It's fantastic. And, you know, as I said, the location just suits perfectly. Mate, you've, uh, you've won uh, Molokai Championships, I think nine of those, uh, World Championships. And are you still going to be part of this event, uh, mate? Because you're, you're older than me, I think. Uh, I'm 54. <laughs> I reckon you've got a couple of years on me, haven't you? Yeah, yeah, I'm slightly older. Um, I remember watching you guys running around on the footy field, and uh, uh, you know, it's been uh, it's it's been a, a thing, a great thing for me because the, the great thing about this sport is that you can do it, you can keep doing it, you know. So uh, I, I'm not going to say I'm going to win the thing, but I hope to be on the start line uh, on on the 26th of November. I'll, I'll be doing all the the lead-in events, that's for sure, and I hope to be there for the Rottnest one as well. But sometimes the event has to take priority and I have to step out. And, and But, uh, you know, we'll see what happens. If, if, if everything falls into place, then I hope to be on the line and, and uh, try and give some of the younger guys a bit of a nudge. Yeah, well, you're a bloke I could talk to about rumours and gobbles and the white sands oh, and uh, all the fun we used to have going back, uh, Dino, back in the day. Hey, look. Yeah, Red on... Parrot. <laughs> yeah, well, there we go. We're in the Northbridge there. Um, now, the uh, the 22 event uh, is going to have Iron Men, women, Olympians, and that is going to be, of course, uh, you'd expect where the winner is going to come from. Um, who do you think is shaping up out of the 500 that's favourite right now? Or are you are you still – is there any chance for any more? To, is, is that done and dusted? I mean, is that your limit, 500? Is that as many as you can have? Uh, we'll, we'll probably squeeze a few more in. Um, the The – the, the limiting factor is getting your craft to Rottnest. The people that, that have got a way to get their craft to Rottnest, they might know a boat owner or something like that, then we'll probably let them into the event. Um, but uh, to answer your first question, look, the, 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 out of the men, I think it's a, it's a race between uh, Corey Hill from the Gold Coast um, and then two South Africans, Hank McGregor and um, a guy called um, Kenny Rice. 
And then out of the girls, it's kind of uh, a girl called Gemma Smith from the Central Coast in New South Wales, Kiwi girl Danielle McKenzie, and another South African, Michelle Byrne. So I think we'll see the winners come from one of those three in the different genders. Brilliant, mate. Well, uh, when we get a little bit closer to the event, uh, once we've got a few of uh, these competitors in town, it'd be nice to be back in touch and uh, just to have a chat uh, to a, a couple of the competitors and see how they tick. Thank you very much for sharing some time with us tonight, Dino. Go well. Great. Thank you for your time, fellas. See you soon. Good on you. Dean Gardner here and the Doctor, which is the big paddling race. November 19 to 26 is the race week when it will take place and uh, paddling a craft from Rottnest to Sorrento. Unbelievable stuff. Uh, a tough act to follow that one, uh, Will, as uh, we round out the night. Thanks for the week, mate. Yeah, thank you, Carl. You'd have to have a fair bit of sunscreen on your head to get across from Rotto to uh, Sorrento, wouldn't you? Yes, uh, I reckon I'd have the, uh, the you know, those those all cover sort of um, masks that you put on your face these days. I'll just get one of those. Uh, balaclava. And, uh, hey? A balaclava. Yeah, balaclava. Yeah, one of those sorts of things. But you can get them for the water, you know. Uh, Todd Johnson's next on your radio. Don't go any further, Will. That's enough. Uh, the night shift is going to be on your radio after the 8 o'clock news, which is fast approaching. Thank you very much for your company, and we will see you again on Monday from 6 o'clock. Take care. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semi finals, all thanks to McDonald's. Mackers, together and loving it. TNCs apply.